0: Uh, If you're worshiping with us from home, feel free to look it up Um, in your own Bible or Bible app. We're also going to project it behind me. Uh, Again, it's John chapter 14, verses 23 through 31. If you're here in person and if you feel comfortable doing this at home, we, we ask that you please stand as able for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, uh, today's message is called The Spirit With Us. And we have been talking about what it means to do life with Christ, uh, to do life in the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, friends, I do want to acknowledge uh, just something that I think we've all kind of been facing. I mean, pretty much from the moment that you first watched news. <laughs> from the first time that you ever heard talk about politics or you heard about somebody's suffering. Right? The fact that life can be uncertain and scary. Right? And, you know, during COVID, I think that has been true for a lot of us that maybe we feel like we're kind of like in these kind of dark times. And, you know, I, I always joke around that they're just running out of letters for like the variants of COVID. And they're just like throwing them together now. A, B, 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 A, like all this kind of stuff. It's so crazy, you know? And I, I've been hearing this stuff. And, and, you know, I'm not telling you anything that you probably don't know. I hope you're not getting your news from me. But, <laughs> but at the same time, um, you know, I've been hearing that, we likely are probably headed towards a recession, right? I mean, all the signs are pointing to that. Have you seen gas, <laughs> right? Have you guys tried to buy meats at the grocery store, right? Like, things are, yeah. I mean, it's, it can be kind of scary to think about, you know? And as we head towards uh, these so-called dark times, I, I know for a lot of us, you know, we wonder, where is God in all of this, right? How do we do life with God in times that can be scary and uncertain. And one thing that I kind of thought of as I was uh, preparing this message um, is uh, this quote from a book. And it's probably something that you've heard before, but I wanted to read it in its more complete form. Uh, This comes from Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. It's the opening lines from A Tale of Two Cities. And it's probably, if not the most famous opening lines in a book. It's like up there. You guys have probably read it before. It goes, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. And friends, I think that, you know, it's a very striking passage that obviously, like, like there's these opposites that we're holding, right? This idea of the best of times, the worst of times, light and dark. And friends, I think it points to uh, one of the things in life is that in life, there can be more than one thing happening at the same time. And I think the way that our minds work is we usually, you know, we think of things in, like, categories, right? Like, that's a good person, that's a bad person, you know, that's a good burrito, that's a bad burrito, you know? <laughs> that, that's a, in some cases, in burritos, I, some are bad burritos, I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, we, we kind of think of things like like, this is good, this is bad. You know, uh, uh, this is categorically this way. This is categorically that way. But Charles Dickens kind of holds these opposites together and says that sometimes both those things can be true at the same time. And friends, i got to say that that is definitely the history of the church. You know, we're going to be talking today about a time that probably seemed like it was going to be very dark for the disciples. Jesus is about to go to the cross, Right? And he's going to be taken away from them, at least physically. And Jesus is telling them in no uncertain terms, I am not going to be with you anymore. And for most people, we would look at that and just very easily, very automatically, your brain would tell you, that's bad. Jesus not here, bad. Right? But it's very interesting what Jesus says. And we're going to go into this in a moment. But he's telling us, like, no, no, like, don't worry. You don't need to worry, right? Because you're not going to be alone in this. And friends, i got to tell you that throughout the history of the church, when the church has experienced persecution, and some of the darkest times that I think any of us would ever experience, you know, from a human perspective, it's when the church has flourished the most. I'm not making that up, Right? The church has always flourished, even when people would imprison people or you know, feed them to the lions because they believed in Jesus. Right? Through all of these periods, in some way that maybe it's hard for us to understand from a human perspective, but that's when faith grows the most in many cases, right? And, and so, friends, uh, I, I want to show you what Jesus is talking about here, to kind of go into this discourse. We're going to actually go back a few verses, Um, but Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to leave, right? But um, from verse 18, you see just right from the top, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, right? I'm not leaving you, not really, right? I'm not abandoning you. Like, I'm going to leave you physically. I'm not going to be here, but you're never abandoned. That's one of the really important things in faith, right? It's something that we're going to be talking about today, but something that I've been saying again and again and again. I mean, friends, it's like kind of like my life's purpose is to try to help you to know that you are not alone. Because i got to tell you, because I think that is one of the real uh, uh, spiritual problems of this age, whether or not even people think of themselves as a spiritual person, it is a spiritual problem that we think we are so categorically alone. Right? People feel so isolated. People feel like they're insignificant. Right? It's one of the things that just freaks us out. Like, are, is this, are we just cosmic accidents, right? Just particles bumping into each other until they formed a human being. You know, is this all there is? And what if a, a more dangerous particle runs into us, you know? What, what if just dumb luck happens and something catastrophic happens, right? And it's just for a lot of us, we live in that fear all the time that we are truly alone in this universe, right? But Jesus, he, he, before he talks about any of this other stuff, like we're going to get into it, he, he talks about a lot of stuff that is very, very good, but he wants to assure his disciples I will not abandon you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That's the union we've been talking about, right? We've been talking about this idea that if Jesus is glorified, then God is glorified, because they're one, right? Right? If God is love, then Jesus is love. And if we are in God, then we also have to be love, right? That's why love is such a big deal. It's not because God is asking us to do something that he himself is not doing. But because he is love, we must be love, right? So we've been talking about this union, right? Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is, who loves me? And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to Him. So in other words, friends, to say that if we belong to God, if we are in God, I mean, God's going to want you to know how loved you are. right? He wants to manifest himself to you, right? He, he wants to be real to you. He, he doesn't want you to think that you're alone. Right, And so friends, maybe for some of us, we, we uh, in, in different periods of our faith, just kind of feel like God's not there. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe like you're praying and you just feel like you're praying to a wall. You feel kind of silly. You start having that, that sort of like, like uh, I don't know, it's kind of like almost like imposter syndrome. You're like, oh, am I just like a fool for thinking that there's really a God? Am I just wasting my breath? Have you ever, ever felt like that? Friends, look at what Jesus is saying. This is not God's will for you. This is not where God wants you to stay. Yeah, we all have periods like that. But he wants you to know his love so completely, right, that you know that you're not alone, right? And he wants to manifest himself to you. And then we're told that Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world, what is that question about? I, I think it's kind of a loaded question, you know, because Jesus says, right, the world's not going to see me, but I'm going to manifest myself to you, right? And, and so Judas, I think he's, he's asking a question that it, it's, it's about certainty in some ways, right? Like, hey, we want to have this, this concrete proof, right, that you're real, right, that everyone else can see and everyone else can confirm this, but certainty also in the way that if other people see that Jesus is real, right, that see that Jesus is the Son of God in his glory, then the disciples' lives get easier, don't they, right? So like Judas is like, why not everyone, right? Why not make this super easy where like everyone can believe, right? We don't have to do any work, right? We don't have to worry about persecution, right? And so it makes sense. And maybe for a lot of us, we want that. But notice, Jesus is giving us a different kind of assurance, right? Not an assurance that your life will be completely easy. But his assurance is always this. I will be with you. Like, really with you. And you can really know that, right? So friends, I I want you to know that that's the promise, right? That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about a life that is free of all worries, right? Because like we already said, well, there have been Christians who have gone before us and Christ himself suffered and was persecuted, right? The church consistently has been persecuted, but it was not crushed because they knew, they knew the manifest presence of God. They knew that God was with them, and they knew it so completely that their lives were transformed by that. That's the promise, right? And so Jesus answered him, this desire for, you know, maybe an easier life, for everyone else to get on board. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So again, if you align yourself with my word, with my commands, right? We talked about this last week, becoming love, learning to love as Jesus loved us, right? Then we will come and we will make our home with you, right? Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me, right? This this, this idea that, Jesus wants us to remain in his love, to become love, to show love to other people, but also to experience the love of Christ. We went over this last week, for those who weren't here, this idea that you cannot give what you don't have, right? You've got to know the love of God in order to give the love of God, right? And so it doesn't have to be this thing that is either or. Either you're receiving love from God or you're out there and you're just killing yourself to give out that love, but we need both right? We need to exist within this love, right? And, and so this is the kind of relationship that God wants for us. But we mentioned this last week, it's so hard to maintain that. And friends, you know when it's really hard to maintain that? When you're scared, when you're anxious, when you're lonely, right? When you live in these uncertain times, it's so hard to maintain that, Right? And Jesus knows that. You think Jesus doesn't know? Of course he knows it's going to be hard. He knows so completely that it's going to be hard. That even without asking, he he tells them, hey, I've got a cheat code for you. (laughs) I've got some help coming. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That This word for helper, it connotes the idea of being an advocate. The Holy Spirit is on your side, promoting your good, right? It's helping you, but not helping like, I don't know, like, like you ever see a teacher and they have a classroom helper and the teacher's doing all the work, right? And the helper is just there, you know, helping, right? It's good, right? But maybe you think of that as the Holy Spirit. You, you think the Holy Spirit is just like a little added boost, right? But that's not the way that Jesus means it, right? He's saying, you have an advocate, right? You have someone who's got power, right? And he has all the power of God, right? And, and, and the Father will send him in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's an awesome thing, right? This is our teacher now, right? This is the one who's going to, 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 to help you make sense of the words of God, to help you to remember the words of God. Have you ever read the Bible and it just felt like hard work? You felt like you were the one who had to, like, just dissect the words and try to get the meaning out of it. Because I have to say, that's how you're taught to read the Bible, right? I mean, that's how you're taught to read anything, you know? This is what we're taught in school, like, this kind of critical reading, where it's like you're almost, like, just dissecting every word, and you're taking it apart, and you're trying to understand it, and you're looking at it from all these angles, and you're using your mind to do this. This is all you, right? And friends, I gotta tell you that I don't think it's supposed to be that hard (laughs) in some ways, you know? And and for a lot of us, it, it feels like that because we think it all relies on us. Do I understand it, right? Am I the one who's supposed to understand this? And friends, you know, if you think of the Holy Spirit as just like a little extra, right? Instead of being the one who is going to teach you all things, right? We think it is all up to us. But instead, friends, you know, the, the way that people have read the Bible uh, traditionally, a, a, a lot of Christians throughout the ages, well, for one, they didn't have a written Bible, right? Uh, it, it was spoken, you know? You, you would go to liturgy, and you would hear someone speak the Bible, right? And, and you, you gotta just imagine, friends, if you don't have a physical Bible, and, and, and you believe this is the word of God, right? Just think how differently the people back then listened to the word of God, right? Because they're like, man, if, if I don't pay attention, <laughs> I'm not going to have it, right? I can't go to an app, right? There's not a Bible on every bookshelf, you know? And so, friends, I, I, I mean, it's reflected in the way it talks about Scripture throughout the Bible, right? Very seldom does it ever say, read the Bible. Because people didn't have written Bibles, what does it say? It says meditate on the Bible, right? That meditate. The, the word is ruminate. It, it's, it comes from like when animals are chewing on cud, right? A- animals like like cows, uh, in order to eat grass, they just have to chew it again and again and again. Just. You get the picture, right? And this is the way meditation on the word of God looks. It's not this critical analysis, right? And oftentimes, we get frustrated because we read the word of God, and if we don't understand it right away, we're like, there's nothing here for me. Or, ah, this is too hard, or this is too boring, right? That's the way most of us take the word of God. But instead, what people would do is they would hear the words, and they they would just let them turn over in their mind, just again and again and again. they just read it right? And there was this kind of reading of the Bible, it's called Lectio Divina, right? It means divine reading, right? In that, you see, it's not human reading, it's divine reading. This idea, you just read the Word of God, and, and you just kind of allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate it to you, right? In the hearing of it, in the kind of resting in the Word of God, right? Sometimes there will be things that God just points out to you, Right? There'll be ways that the word just kind of comes alive, right? Friends, do we trust in the Holy Spirit to do that for us? Because this is the thing, right? I know you guys have heard me say this so many times. (laughs) What do spirits do? What do spirits do? You guys are going to make me do it. You guys are going to make me do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, for those of you who haven't been to LGM before, whenever I talk about spirits, I mention the song Oceans, right? And there's that part where it goes, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. And I do that not because I want you to hear my awful singing, but I want you to remember, what do spirits do? Spirit, you got to say it or I'm going to keep singing. You guys got to say it. (laughs) What do spirits do? I I heard it like really, lead. Spirits lead, right? That's what spirits do, right? You have a spirit. You have a human spirit, right? We talk about this all the time. This idea of being spirited, or if you think about the old DreamWorks animation, spirit, this stallion that its will cannot be broken. No one can write it. No one can tell it what to do. That's the way your spirit is. If your spirit is the one reading the word of God, you're not gonna be open to other interpretations, right? You're not gonna be open to what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you. This is the way it is with your entire life. If you're the one who must be in control of your life, then the Holy Spirit cannot lead you, just by definition. You can't have two masters. You can't have two people steering the boat, right? And oftentimes, for so many of us, man, we cannot let go of that control. We don't want it. We don't want it. You hear this idea of the helper. Oh, that's nice. A helper is going to come and help me. Yo, you got to understand is you really want the Holy Spirit to be active and manifest in your life. The Holy Spirit must take over. The Holy Spirit must lead because it's a divine spirit. It's a Holy Spirit, right? It's the spirit of Steve. I mean, I guess it's, far as, it's good as far as it goes, right? But this is a human spirit, right? It's limited. When I lead my life, what happens? Well, I get human results from my perspective and from my nervous system. that's always parsing these things through fear. There's so many times where my nervous system and my mind are telling me to do something because they think it's going to keep me safe or they think it's going to make me happy. And so often, friends, it's disaster, right? And this is the the thing that, that we must learn. I mean, it sounds good on paper, but you have to believe this. You have to totally believe this, that the will of the Spirit is greater than the will of my spirit. Right? You have to want that. And oftentimes it doesn't come until your spirit has failed you. Friends, uh, what happened to all the disciples when Jesus is arrested? You guys remember what happens to them? So many of them, I'm not going to say all of them because we don't hear an account of every disciple, but Peter. Right? He denies Jesus three times. There's other people, they run in fear. right? And, and you know, before Jesus appears to them, they're behind locked doors for fear of the leaders who arrested and executed Jesus. Right? They're living in fear. Right? And in many ways, they, they find out how strong their wills are and how, what, what happens when they let their spirits lead. Right? It's not so good. But Jesus tells them, listen, help is on its way, right? The Holy Spirit is coming to teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then this beautiful passage that you cannot divorce it from all the other things that you've heard about the Holy Spirit, about the Spirit leading, about becoming love by learning to obey the word of God right, and be in the will of God. You can't divorce that, right? You gotta understand where this peace comes from. Verse 27, it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid, right? So friends, we have to contrast these two things, right? Peace of the world, the peace that we seek, and the peace of God. Right? And friends, where do they come from? So, the peace of the world, we think, is going to come through our will. The peace of God is going to come from the will of God, the Spirit of God. Right? So, friends, how are we trying to get peace? We try to get it through control. Right? Our will is trying to tell us, right? um, Hey, this is the way the world needs to be. I need the world to be safe, I need things to be certain. And we chase that. We chase it so desperately, right? We want for everything to make sense. But we already told you. I mean, sometimes there are dark days. Sometimes there are times where things do not make sense. Sometimes there are situations that you go through that you absolutely cannot control. Friends, I think this is part of the reason why faith grows so often in moments of suffering and darkness. You know why? Because you cannot control it. For some people, right, they get to the point where they realize they have to surrender that control. That control is doing them no good, right? I got to tell you, uh, some of our people, they're going on this mission trip uh, this week. And I I know so many people have just been so blessed going on mission trips? Well, I, I think it's, it's partially because missions are so close to God's heart, right? But you got to ask the question, why? Like, I know people who go on mission trips and they see miracles happen, you know? They feel the presence of God in such an acute way, right? Is God's spirit not here? Is it only on the mission field, Like, why is it that, uh, you know, under these circumstances, you know, you go to a country where you don't know the language, right? And you feel kind of on edge because you're in this unfamiliar environment with people that you don't know, in situations that stretch you beyond your comfort zone. How come it's in this environment that so many people encounter God? I think it's because we're just like, we we can't rely on ourselves anymore. We must be open to getting help from another source, right? We must be open to someone else being in control, right? And that's so often what pain and difficulty and suffering do to us. It breaks the illusion that we can control our lives. But I gotta tell you, for many of us, we will hold on as long as we possibly can. How do we get this peace of God? And what is this peace? Right, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be tr- troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Friends, that is the peace of God. Right? Did you see it? Should we read it again? Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. What is the peace of God? It's an internal peace, right? It's not being afraid. It's not being troubled, right? The peace of the world is wanting everything outside of you to be at peace, right? So we think that if we have external peace, right? If everything in my life is completely ordered in exactly the way that I want it to be, then I will be at peace. If my boss is the way I want them to be, then I will be at peace. If my spouse is listening to me and doing everything exactly the way that I want it to be, if everyone on the road on I-94 is obeying the laws of traffic and driving at exactly the speed that I want them to, if the prices at the grocery store are exactly what I need them to be in order to fit my budget, then I will be at peace. Friends, do you see how ridiculous this is? How just unrealistic it is? That our peace, the peace of the world will never come by trying to make everything in the world the way you want it to be. It just never can be, right? And so the peace that Jesus is offering us is not the external peace of getting things the way that you want them to be, but it is trusting that God is able to make the world exactly how he wants it to be. And if you believe that, if you believe that, if you give up that control to God completely, even when you don't understand it, even if it isn't the way that you want it to be, but you can just trust, God, you're in control. You lead, right? You be the king of the universe. And if you know that, if you know that God loves you, then inside, internally, you can chill, right? Right? You can be at ease. It's just a different kind of experience than most of us have. There might be just very few moments in your life, right? I mean, you can maybe, like, count them on one hand, maybe two hands if you're really, really fortunate, where just everything is exactly the way you want it to be. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe (laughs) I was looking over, and... Our brothers just go like this, like, <laughs> never, never. But I don't know, maybe just for a moment, like, I don't know, you're like in Maui or something, you know, and, and like, you have no homework, you know? The kids are just being angels, and they're listening to every word that that you say, you know? Um, no one's mad at you, you know? You got the job, <laughs> you got into the school. Everything is exactly as you want it to be, and maybe there's there's a part where you're just like, Oh, I just feel so peaceful. Or maybe even it's not that. Maybe that everything isn't peaceful, but maybe you're just like looking at a beautiful sunset. And there's this feeling that you have, this kind of calm that comes over you, where you're like, okay, I know everything's not perfect, but in this moment, it feels like it is. In this moment, I just feel like everything's okay. Have you ever experienced that? What we are promised through God is that if you let the Holy Spirit lead your life, you will know that God is in control. And this is the the inner state that we can have, right? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We have been saying all along, the life that God wants for us is life in the kingdom. What kind of kingdom is that? It's a kingdom of love. What kind of spirit do we have? The Holy Spirit. It's a spirit of love. What kind of world are we living in? We live in a world of fear, right? And our spirit, when it gets so attached to this world, it gets so entwined in the dramas of this world, our spirit is operating in fear. That's why you're never at peace. Because you're just living in this kingdom of fear all the time, right? I mean, I've said this before, but I've had some pretty severe anxiety in my life, and there are these moments where I would wake up in the morning, and like literally nothing's happened, right? Like I I, I can't even like process intellectually what's happening, but I just feel anxiety, right? From the moment my eyelids open, I'm just like. <laughs> Do you know that feeling, friends? Have you ever experienced that? It's terrible. It's what so many people are experiencing all the time. Right? And so many of us, man, we just do whatever we can to just try to make that feeling go away for a little bit. Right? We do so much right? Yes, we might try to control the world. And if you can't control the world, you know what we do? We run from the world, right? We go into our phones. We go into Netflix and YouTube and entertainment, right? We go into all these things that, we, that, that you know, try to distract us, you know? You, you, you go on TikTok and you see someone doing like a funny dance or something, you know? And just for a moment, it just makes you forget, right? It just makes you feel like your problems aren't there. And for a lot of us, man, we get addicted to it right? Like in the way that we just can't stop. We can't stop just trying to escape. We can't stop moving. We got to make things happen, right? We can't sit still. Why? Because we have this sneaking suspicion. If we ever are just still, then everything's going to catch up to us. But friends, it's not real, right? You in Christ have been given a spirit of love. Where is that Holy Spirit? Where is it? Right? When Jesus says, I promise you the Holy Spirit, I promise you a helper, where is that spirit? Friends, seriously, I-, I want you to answer that question for yourself. Where is that spirit relative to your life? Where is that spirit? Where is the spirit? Where is it? Where is the spirit? Where is it? It's over there? It's way up there? Is it in here? Where is it? The answer that Jesus gives, the answer that Scripture gives us, is it's everywhere. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. The Holy Spirit is here right now. The Holy Spirit is absolutely available to you. Then what's the problem? What's the problem? We are not available to it. That's the problem. Why? Because we want to be in control. Because we're always moving. So we're not still enough to let the Spirit interact with our spirit. I gotta tell you, there's so much going on within us, right? That we're trying to cover up, that we're trying to hide. So much fear, so much anxiety, so much that like hurt and woundedness, right? And just, we are addicted to noise in this world. We are addicted to just motion and activity, right? How many of you, like like anytime there's like a still moment and there's like no sound going on, like maybe you go into your car and you're driving somewhere, the moment you go in your car, you're like, I need to listen to music. I need to listen to a podcast, right? We, we can't stand it. We can't stand it. And, and, and friends, I, I got to tell you, there are many times like, like throughout, um, you know, it, it, with like church services and stuff like that, we'll have these moments of silence. And I remember I, I had speakers uh, or pastors like do this with me. And every time they did it, man, it was agony. I would just sit there and it just wriggle. I'm just like, oh, it's so uncomfortable. You know, a couple summers ago, um, (laughs) I tell this story a lot, so I apologize. But a couple uh, summers ago, I was like, hey, guys, we're going to just do like 10, 15 minutes. I don't even think we did 15. I think it was 10 minutes of silence in service, right? And and I always tell this story because (laughs) I didn't anticipate this. But I'm like, hey, let's just be still. Let's just be still in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like every single person in the congregation got up to use the bathroom. Not at the same time, but at different times. I have never seen so many people have to use the bathroom in a 10-minute span of time. Why? Man, we can't be still. We don't know how to do it. We feel so vulnerable. There's something within us that's like, man, if I'm a moving target, or if I keep going, right, I can kid myself, I can fool myself into thinking, that it's going to be okay, But if you're still, if you're still, I mean, it's so vulnerable, right? I mean, your soul feels naked. All your defenses, all the things that you've been using to make yourself feel just a little bit better, to feel a little bit that you don't have that anxiety, just for that moment. And it doesn't go away, friends. I promise you, it doesn't go away. Because what your spirit wants is for the entire outside world to perfectly reflect your will for the world. And your spirit will never be at peace until that is true. So that means your spirit will never be at peace. Never. 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 Until you can come to the acceptance that number one, this world ain't gonna be what you want it to be, right? Your will will not be done, right? It's just not gonna happen. Not completely. (laughs) Try as you might, right? And oftentimes, what you're only going to end up accomplish is you're going to push people away, right? You're going to drive other people crazy, right? You are not going to make the world exactly as you want it to be. I heard this story this week about, uh, uh, like, like there was this couple that was living together, and um, actually, the the house was in the woman's name. But the guy uh, who was living with her um, got mad at her because, like, two times, she forgot to close the garage door at night. And so he was like, you're not allowed to use the garage anymore. And because she you know, thought she loved him, and she's like, oh, he's going to leave me. For like five years, she would never park her car in the garage. Even though it would be like much safer for her to park the garage. And, because for him, he's like, hey, I can't control that. You might forget. You might forget to, to close the garage door. Right? And this desire to make the world a world where the garage door will always be closed when you want it to. Well, what do you think that woman did? <laughs> do you think she stayed with them? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Would you stay with a guy like that? Our desire to control everything, it just pushes people away. Right? So what do we need to do? We need to be still and let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Right? We have to come to a place where we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life, right? And, and, and it, it may be something as subtle as, as just saying, God, I, I just want to surrender control. You know, for me, I think these times of prayer, you know, uh, I've said this before, that silence is kind of the cornerstone of my spiritual practice. You know, and I think for me, it's just a way of surrendering my will, my desire to keep moving, my desire to just fill my minds and my, my ears with noise all the time, and for 20 minutes, to just let God be God. I can't be in control of the universe. When I first started um, praying, uh, especially silently, um, I couldn't do it at home. It was just too hard. I just was so fidgety, And just before I knew it, I'd be like on my phone, like I'm like, how did this phone get in my hand? You know, so I just couldn't do it. And so I would go to the park, you know. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna look at the like like just look at the pond, you know. I'm just gonna sit on this bench and just maybe like look at the birds, you know. Just try to be still here. And I gotta tell you, man, I would have this overwhelming feeling of anxiety sometimes. Sometimes I felt like someone was watching me. I'm like. What if I close my eyes and an axe murderer comes up behind me? It's so ridiculous, right? It's so ridiculous. But it's just this feeling I got of just feeling so exposed. You know? I'm like, I I can't let go of that control for even a minute, right? I have to always know what's going on. I always have to be in control. And one of the things that started to happen as I learned to do this imperfectly is I would sit there uh, on uh, this park bench. And one of the parks I went to was Lily Park. And Lily Park, it's kind of like this bowl where it just, it, it kind of like goes into the ground. And it goes in the ground in a way where you can't see the outside. So you can't see that there are cars that are right outside just whipping around just right on, uh, what is that road, Ellsworth and Platt. And they're just whipping around, just really, and 23 is actually really, really close. And so you can hear the cars, but you can't see them. And I I would have this feeling as the cars are whipping around where I'm like, everyone else is making their lives happen, and I, like an idiot, am sitting here in this park doing nothing. (laughs) But then the more that I sat there, and the, the longer I learned how to do this, it, I started to have the opposite feeling, where I'm like, you know what, the world is running without me, <laughs> and it's okay. You know, the world is not going to stop moving, and things are not going to stop happening. You know, it's going to be okay if I remove myself from the world for 20 minutes. God is still in control. I, I want to ask uh, the praise team to come up. Uh, There's this moment where um, just at the end of this passage where uh, Jesus says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. I know he's talking about the events that are going to come with the cross, right? And he's saying like, hey, you know, I'm not going to speak any more words to you. I'm not going to preach anymore at you, right? But I think that can be true sometimes of our relationship with God. There are moments... Well, you're not going to hear words. But notice what Jesus says at the very end. Yeah, the ruler of this world is coming. And in this world, there's fear and there's uncertainty. There's all kinds of stuff. But this is my my, uh, interpretation, the Steve Kong translation. The ruler of this world, the devil, ain't got nothing on me. The ruler of this world has nothing on me. The ruler of this world has no control over me. The ruler of this world is not really the ruler of this world. Can we know, can we just be still, friends, for a moment? We're not going to do 10 minutes, (laughs) but maybe we could just do one minute. Friends, could we do that? Just be still? You guys can close your eyes. gotta gotta tell you, you know, our our, our minds, um, there might be some thoughts and feelings that jump in, and that might be unpleasant, but maybe you can just take a deep breath, just in through your nose, and out through your mouth, let's do that again, in through your nose, out through your mouth, and maybe we can just simply say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I surrender. Maybe just take another breath. In through your nose. Out through your mouth. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, you lead. I don't need to be in control. I surrender. It's not going to fix everything in the world. I know that. We can never make this world exactly the way we want it to be. But what we can do is trust that God is in control. The devil doesn't have anything on our God. Amen? He's in control, friends. We can trust that. and So we can rest. We can rest knowing that God is the true ruler of the universe. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. We can let him do his thing. Let's just trust, let's just rest. That's so good, friends, let's do that again. Take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Holy Spirit come, we surrender. Holy Spirit come, we surrender. Holy Spirit come, we surrender. Holy Spirit come and surrender. Amen.